Good morning. Thanks, Pastor Kevin. Um, well, happy Independence Day, and from our British friends, happy Treason Day. Uh, there's, there's a meme on the internet. I wish I could have that one for me, but the meme is happy Treason Day, you ungrateful Americans. Um, and that's just funny. So just thank you guys for letting me come and just share a little bit with you this morning. Um, I had a really decent sermon ready to go last night, and then some things yesterday changed all that. Uh, I was in coming through Gladstone uh, yesterday afternoon. I stopped to get gas, and I went in to pay the lady at the gas station, and, and I saw her shirt and said, God hates me. And I'm like, ooh, I need to ask about that. And I asked her, I said, what, what's, what's up with your shirt? She said, well, God hates me. I said, why, why do you believe that? She said, because of my kids. I was like, oh, <laughs> Ooh, okay, I don't know what I'm walking into right now. And <laughs> I said, tell me more. <laughs> and she said, they're my punishment. And I felt so sad for her, and I reminded her of who God says she is and what he has done for her. And a really unexpected thing happened there, and, uh, and I just kind of like left it there. Uh, I didn't share like a chapter and verse with her. I just kind of phrased some stuff for her identity uh, in a way that she could grab a hold of it. And her reply was, huh, well, see you later. And, and that was it. And, and then I was at uh, Sunset Point last night, um, just kind of looking through everything for, for this morning. And I got a call from an old friend from college. And he he called to just ask about seminary and kind of just let me know that he rededicated his life to the Lord after chasing all the isms of the world of, of alcoholism and hedonism and Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism. And he shared the emptiness of his life before accepting Christ. And I'm like, man, all those, those two things in, within hours of each other, and, and I just felt like, the Lord just wanted to shift some stuff this morning and just kind of share some testimonies with you guys of like what, what we do as chaplains uh, and what I've gotten to experience in the chaplain corps. Um, Andy, for some reason, I don't know why he, he remembered this. I don't think it's true, but the last thing he shared with me, he's like, hey, do you remember that time you bought me a case of beer in college when I was 19? I said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> And so I told him, I said, I didn't remember that, and it probably didn't happen. So one of us is wrong, I'm not sure which. Because um, I wouldn't do anything like that. I came into the chaplain corps uh, after five years in a police department in Jackson, uh, which is uh, lovingly called Little Detroit. And this call to chaplaincy actually came while I was in college. And my time as a police officer was just a subtle disobedience to that calling uh, under kind of the guise of... Um, I'm pursuing uh, experience in life in order to minister better. Uh, when and the heart of it was not, not necessarily that. And then some pretty tragic things happened one day and, and I woke up and I left, I left what was becoming a really great career to follow something God put on my heart. And there are times I still grieve that sin of not walking out as calling earlier. Uh, but the things I've experienced then have made me better uh, for what I do now. Romans 8.28 says that, and we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those called according to his purpose. This verse is true in my life. I've seen it and I've experienced it. And I'm still waiting for more to come <laughs> and, and turn, turn good uh, all according to his purposes. And, and if you're waiting for something right now, here's this, he's faithful. And he's true. And I don't know what you're waiting for, but, but I'm waiting for some stuff too. And, and I know that he's faithful and I've seen and tasted and felt his faithfulness. And I love Jeremiah 29, 11, where it talks about how God has big hopes and plans for our lives. And sometimes that's disappointing when they don't come and when our expectations aren't met. And that's okay. Because when our expectations aren't met, there's something greater that he's doing. And there's a richness that we get to endure sometimes and partake in sometimes. And that's what changes everything with him. And this richness that I've gotten to experience in some things beyond my, my comprehension and, and just as a heartache is. But the depths of where we go with God allows us to go to the same depths with others who don't know him. And once we've been in the pit of life, it's easier to jump back down into it and help people get out. And that's what I've learned as an army chaplain. And life has brought me down this pretty crazy road uh, to be able to walk this out. And, and our chaplain corps, just a little history, uh, the, the infantry was the first corps in the army. And I, I July 14th, I think, 1775, Continental Congress said, we need 10 companies of riflemen. That's the infantry. July 29th, 1775, the next core, the next branch within the, the military was established, and that was the Army Chaplains Corps. So from the beginning, our Congress knew that there was something that the military needed, and they needed the Lord wherever they went. And that's what chaplains do. We go, we go where the rest of the soldiers go. We have this ministry of presence, and we, we sleep in the dirt with them, and we go to war with them. We don't go back from the front line. We are in it with them. And it's beautiful, and it's ugly. And so with that, the Army, has, the Army Chaplain Corps has three things that we do. We nurture the living, we care for the wounded, and we honor the dead, or honor the fallen. A lot of times, like, people ask, like, hey, what's religious preference have to do with that stuff? And it doesn't really have to do with anything for the first two because we're all people. We care for each other. We nurture each other. That's what it's about. And we do everything we can accommodate from the religious side of it for the last one, to honor them. So we're called to nurture the living, care for the wounded. And I believe as Christians, this is our mandate on our lives. James 1, to 27 says, But be doers of the word and not only hearers, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face, his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, and being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
And if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but, de- but deceives his heart, this religious person is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We're called to live a life of action for this cause of the kingdom of heaven. We're called to, to hold fast uh, and expand this law of liberty to, to the set captives free. And we're entrusted with it so that others might know the freedom that Christ offers. And, and we have a great responsibility with living in America because we, we've been entrusted with a freedom that no one else in the entire earth gets. But even greater if you're in the kingdom of God, if you are a son or a daughter of God, you have an even greater responsibility to steward well the freedom and expand the freedom to others that's been given to us in Christ. This chaplaincy stuff, I had romanticized a little bit uh, when I got into it. Then I realized how ugly it is and how ugly ministry is. There's aspects of it I don't like, and there's, there's also aspects of life I don't think, and I don't think any of us like some aspects of life. Who wants to go to work? But the cost and totality of ministry and, and walking with God overall is always worth it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And so one of the chief responsibilities I have as a chaplain is to ensure others' freedoms are not affected specifically their religious freedoms. Whether they agree with my theology or not. Sometimes that's hard. But it's also a great honor to steward that for others. And so I want to share a couple stories with you guys. This is a nurture the living one. As Pastor Kevin said, I was in the Middle East in 2015-2016, and I had the honor of getting to know a guy named Steve. Steve was Lebanese, uh, but he, was, he came to America, he's American. And naturally he was Muslim because he grew up in the Middle East and both culturally and religiously. And he grew up in that faith. And, and we became friends. And we shared a lot of life together. He was a very jovial guy, and still is, he's still alive. Um, and he, we, we shared and you know, kind of poked and prodded each other about our faith a lot of times and uh, in, in good lighthearted ways. And he asked me one day, he said, okay, uh, chap, um, it's Ramadan this month, and, I, and I'd like to go pray at a local mosque on the last day of Ramadan, which was a big deal. And we're in the Middle East. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And, and so I looked into it, and I checked with our security folks, and I got authorization from the commander and clearance from, from all that to go to a friendly mosque uh, where he could blend in, which was an hour and a half away. So we drove an hour and a half to go to the service, and it was a 30-minute call to prayer, and we drove an hour and a half back. And that whole way there and back circled around one topic, Jesus. Because Jesus means something in the Muslim world. He means something even greater in ours. And I was able to lay out why Jesus is who he says he is in our belief system and kind of like push what they thought aside and not, not in, a, in a hard way, not in a, just more of an informative way. And so this entire, entire three hour trip of driving, we talked about Christ and those seeds of the gospel were planted. 
He's not come to know him yet. But I think it's just a matter of time before those things grow and God's going to water him and continues to water him because that's just who he is. And so that's one of the things that we get to do when we nurture the living. Sometimes it's, it's, it's going against what we think is like the most common sense, like, oh, no, that's, that's not how someone comes to know Christ. I'm helping them with their faith. That's completely different than, than that of God. Well, yeah, but we gain rapport when we do walk with people in ways that are uncomfortable for us. And it allows us to be able to speak into their lives, especially when they need it. And it can turn things upside down in a moment. He still calls. I haven't, I haven't seen him in six years, but he still calls. Nurture the living. So another one that, that popped into my head was naturally care for the wounded. Care for the wounded, you would think someone who is wounded. Maybe get shot, blown up or something like that. But this was a little bit different. I finished up a chapel service one day and I was like walking out the door to grab lunch. And a soldier pops in the chapel and he says, hey, you got a minute? If someone ever asks you that, it's not going to be a minute. I always ask my commander, hey, sir, you got a minute? Uh, yeah, sure. I said, it's literally only going to take a minute. So I preface it, I've learned this now. Um, and so he begins to share this, this hypothetical situation where one of his soldiers was on heroin and got off using methadone and has now run out of methadone um, and is, is going through withdrawals. And I'm like, this isn't hypothetical, is it? He said, no, he's in the tent right now. I said, come on, man. He said, what do I do? I said, make sure he doesn't die. That's what you do. Number one, he can't die. And that was just like shooting from the hip. <laughs> and then we talked about confidentiality and what that means for me as a chaplain where I don't have to say anything and I can't say anything, but this guy needs help. So this sergeant cared for his soldier so much, and he knew he was at a Y in this road. And he took the road less traveled, the much riskier one, and he drug me down it with him. And that made all the difference. He sat with him and cared for his friend as he went through withdrawals and came out the other side without those horrible toxins in his body any longer. He nursed him in a tent in the middle of the desert without anyone knowing but me. And I still can't believe he did that. The next week they were both in the chapel service and, and I shared about God's love as a father and how Christ came to reunite, and, uh, reunite us and in his death allowed us to be adopted as sons and daughters again. Those guys stuck around after and one, the one who, who was addicted to heroin shared that he grew up in the church and that his sister was actually on staff at a church in Lansing. And he rededicated his life that day. And then the other one, who he was so grizzled, he left and he came back probably 15 minutes later. He said, hey, can we talk more? Yeah. So he came back secretly because he was afraid that people would look down on him for coming to a chapel service and talking to the chaplain for the next six weeks. Every Sunday, the same time, he'd had the same excuse, and he would come back. And we talked about his life. 
talked about his childhood. We talked about the multiple suicides in his family. Talked about his wife and how her sister committed suicide along with his brother in their home. And he was 27. He told me how the army kept him alive. And through this process, he became alive in Christ. And then he went to Iraq. <laughs> and uh, I have a picture with him and, and one of the other guys up there, and it was one of my favorite pictures ever. We're sitting in a bunker. It was a, it was a morning. And uh, they just got done with a mission. And I'm, it was the smallest chapel serve I've ever been to. There's three people, me and two other guys. And I was just sharing some scripture with them. And it was just a little devotional. But the picture has one of the guys just like looking and like kind of just thinking. And the other was cleaning his machine gun with a cigarette in his ear. And I'm just like, here's some raw ministry right here. And it's framed at home. It's, it's one of my favorite things. First Corinthians, first Corinthians, holy cow. First Corinthians 9, 19 to 23 says, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. All things to all people. Any of us can do that. We just have to be willing to listen and hold our judgment. And the hardest place to hold it is right here. If there's ever a time to be all things to all people, our day is it. Our city, our region need to hear the goodness of God and how his kindness leads us to repentance, how it led us to repentance. And sometimes that kindness just starts with us. Putting politics aside to focus on the expansion of the kingdom. It all works out if we lead with love, listen to and understand, and then be understood and speak the language of the people. That doesn't mean we just not talk about sin, but we build relationship first, build trust first, let them know we actually care about them in their soul and not just become legalistic with people. Let's care for the wounded. There's a lot of wounded people. There's a lot of wounded people. Honor the fallen. God works out all things for our good according to his purposes. In this story, God knew what I didn't. He saw in my days what I would walk through and utilize the past to prepare, prepare me for what was ahead. It was in northern Jordan in the spring of 16. I was at an Air Force base that was always making bombing runs into Syria and Iraq, which wasn't too far away from us. And we had about 100 soldiers up there. 
um, uh, on this on this airbase that had a, about uh, uh, 1,800 or so. And on that airbase, they only had one chaplain. And I felt bad for him. He was worked like a dog. And then one night, a sandstorm kicked off, and, and I grew up in the UP, and I've seen Lake Superior just be crazy, and I've never been afraid of weather, like on land, until that night. My tent shook, and I laid on my bed, and my bed moved because of the wind that was getting underneath my tent. I prayed that night. The next morning, I found out that there had been an airman who was killed uh, in that storm. He, uh, he was working on a, on a jet, and the door was open on the hangar, and that wind was so strong, it picked that hangar up busted off all the bolts that were bolted into cement and brought it down on him. He's 19 years old. That, that next morning, I went right to the base chaplain's office uh, because I knew what was ahead for him. I said, what can I do to help? He said, can you stay and run services for the next few weeks? Done. And then he said, can you do a debrief with the guys of his unit who were there? Oh, Okay, you got it, man. I walked out of his office to call my commander to let him know he was in another country that I wouldn't be back for a while. But I was brought back to March 9th, 2010, as soon as I left that tent. That day, my dear friend and old section partner was shot twice in the chest and he was killed in a dingy house in Jackson. He was there to take a guy to jail for 24 hours who beat up his girlfriend. And I remember sitting in the hospital, looking around and wondering what I should do to help my friends work through this. That's an image I'll never forget. And that, and that moment is when I decided to leave police work, was at the hospital. And while I, a couple days after that, I went through a thing called a critical incident stress debrief and found it to be a waste of time because they were dealing with the head, not the heart. My heart was broken. And I know that these guys who were in their early 20s, their hearts were broken because they just lost one of their friends and one of their brothers. Those experiences that, that I went through, those experiences in my subtle disobedience prepared me for what was I was about to walk into. And it changed my entire life. So I walked in to a dozen guys who had just lost their friend. I shared with them my story. I shared with them my experience and, and what got me through. I said, I'm not a chaplain right now. I said, I'm just a guy. Don't, don't worry about that. I shared Christ with them and his story of sacrifice for our freedom and I wasn't prepared for that moment in time, but God knew I was. And I heard stories of this young man through that day who was killed. I heard stories of him, of his life, of how he lived. I didn't have to honor the fallen that day. His friends did. And then we put him on a plane and sent him home.
to be with his family. These are the primary responsibilities of an army chaplain. Nurture the living, care for the wounded, and honor the fallen. I've done all these. They're all nested in this thing of performing and providing religious support for people. Performing religious services within my denomination and and my conscience and, and finding others to provide where I can't. There's one other thing I want to share before we look at a couple practical things. I always get one question consistently. Can you talk about Jesus? Absolutely. Every single day. I get to do this full time right now. And I talk about him all the time. I don't water it down. I talked to a Satanist about sanctification earlier this week. Because he made a joke. Well, all right, you make a joke, I'm going to let you have it. But we have that relationship. We have that relationship where I can. And it's great. And I talk about sin. And I talk about my own sin. And I talk about our collective sin and individual sin. And, and I'm not ashamed of the cross. And they won't shut me up about it. But I'm also not going to shove it down people's throats. I'm going to be very tactical with what I share and be shrewd as a dove. Nope, shrewd as a snake and gentle as a dove. I build trust so that I can speak into their lives. Total life to include the things of God, including what is necessary for restoration with him and for salvation. And I have had no issues with this. And I am not quiet. It's been great. Jesus in Matthew 10, 16 says, Before, uh, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and, before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious of how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Isn't that fun? That gets to be our reality. That gets to be our reality. That was their reality, and I'm confident we're walking toward that. The closer we get to Christ coming home, the closer we're going to be toward that, and we get to be a part of it. And it's God in us who will allow us to overcome because we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's why I wanted to share a little bit of with you today of what it looks like to do the role that I get to do because it's real. Life is real. You guys know that. And there's so many people around us in the trailer park across the street in downtown Marquette in those bazillion-dollar condos. It's all the same. They all need Christ. We all need Christ. But we need to speak the language of the people. We need to build relationship with them and let them know what is available for them. 
we the church, the bride of Christ, we continue to represent the hope of the world. We cannot allow our politics to twist us and make us arrogant. Our beliefs may be and are probably correct in regards to a biblical worldview. And our values line up with that. But how do we communicate it? How are we showing that to one another? Within the church and outside the church. And how do we listen and how do we love? How we do those things can toss all of that away with those who are longing for God in a moment. And they don't even know it. I want to challenge and encourage you to move into your field of ministry. And everyone here has a field of ministry in ways you haven't done before. Talk with your neighbors. Learn about them. Learn about their lives and, and build trust and love and rapport with them. As relationship grows, so can conversation. There are people everywhere who need a little bit of encouragement. Encourage them. If someone looks sad, are you doing all right? Like, it's, it's awkward. That's life. Get over it. I have all kinds of awkward conversations. The number one awkward question I ask, are you thinking about killing yourself? Have you ever asked anyone that? It doesn't get easier because you don't know what the answer is. But once you know the answer, then you can do something about it. And it's worth their life to feel a little awkward. I challenge you to be awkward in those things and cause people to question, what's your angle? My angle is to love you. That's it. I have no other agenda except to win your soul. <laughs> don't, don't say that. <laughs> Think that. Think that. That's an internal dialogue right there. Look for those people. They're everywhere. It's the lady at the gas station who's wearing that shirt. It's our doctors, our medical providers, the nurses who take care of us. It's the people that we might oversee at work that, that we might be scared to talk about our, our faith because we don't want to get fired. Well, you don't have to talk about your faith. But a really way to, easy way to ask that if, if you talk about something real Hey, where does faith line up with you? That's it. That's an open door. That, if they said, not really anywhere, okay, cool. I can talk to you about mine if you want, if you ever want to. And then if they say, well, I believe this and this and this, boom, conversation starts. Get going. So here's the deal. You're prepared for the ministry of the work of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. You don't, you don't have to go to seminary. I don't think seminary is all that cracked up, but it's worth it. You have all of heaven backing you. All of heaven is backing you to expand the kingdom of God right here, right now, today, at the parade, at the fireworks tonight, at a barbecue. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's not an option. That's a command. There's a lot of nations in here, in this area. I was at, last night, I've seen people of a variety of skin tones that I had never seen in Marquette before. I thought, this is beautiful. Thank God they're coming, because we're not going. But they're coming. Nurture the living. Care for the wounded. Honor the fallen. And do things you've never done before, because our time in history 
is critical and calls for it. We don't have time to waste. We don't have comfort to waste. We, don't, we can't let politics get in the way of the kingdom advancing. Risk it. What do you got to lose? Your life? Okay. You lose your life, you gain it. I've heard that somewhere before. That's where we're at. And it's, it's done every day, everywhere, where you're not comfortable. So I challenge you to get uncomfortable. Start today. Even practice those conversations at home. And go out and impact the community in ways that you've hoped for. Because you're not here just to hang out. You're here to impact something. And God's calling that out in you. And maybe that's why I'm here. So I just want to pray. And then we're going to do communion. Um, and uh, I just thank you guys for, for, for this time. So, Father God, I just thank you. Thank you for all the ministries that we're all called to. Thank you for what you are doing in each heart here, for those who've walked with you for a long time, who are in their retirement years, and you're just beginning to use them in new ways that they never hoped for or experienced, that they're not done yet. And those who don't know you yet, that you're just beginning with them, and that you have something great ahead. Lord, cause a disturbance in us that, that causes us to not be comfortable anymore, to just, just exist. Help our American way of freedom be known in a greater way in the kingdom, but that that kingdom freedom will live in our lives so people see it and hunger for it. Thank you for giving us this independence. Thank you for allowing us to live in this nation and help us to honor that by honoring you. Come and convict our hearts of the things that need to be convicted of and help us and give us the courage to walk out what you're doing. We love you, Lord, and we just thank you. And just bless all these people in Jesus' name, amen.